This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throwin' Independent.ie's GAA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery and delighted to be joined in studio as always by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. Will, how are you? I was expecting you to come in with some sort of lasso or something this yeah, week. Yeah, a lasso, or, a cowboy yeah. hat, a Jetson. I'm fairly sure you have cowboy boots on underneath Spurs, the Spurs, <laughs> a few spurs under the table. Did you miss me? I was you know, gone, I left you in the lurch for a couple of shows, a yeah, live show even. Yeah, you're yeah, throwing you into the bear pit down in Kilkenny. <laughs> No, the better bit worked out well. It wasn't too bad, actually. It was good fun, actually, the other night. Yeah, we've got some other live shows coming up now in, in a couple of weeks, and it should be interesting. And I'll yeah. be in situ for those, so I don't know how big Michael's head has got. He's, he has the, the earphones firmly clasped around his head, maybe to stop it from expanding any further <laughs> after his, his debut as a solo host. Yeah, no, my head is big enough now. <laughs> <laughs> but it went well? It was enjoyable? Yeah, it was good, yeah. We, we JJ, John Milan, Asher Milan is great crack, in yeah. fairness. Yeah, he was just, uh, he was, he's always brings a bit of comedy to the table, in fairness, as well as the, the good analysis. Yeah, we had a great crowd as well and some great prizes and that in the night. So I think we've won coming up in Wexford the week after next. So Wexford will be uh, say Wexford will be buzzing with the, the All Ireland semi final coming up. So it should be good. No, it should be very good. I'll bring a cowboy hat for everyone in the audience after my <laughs> my week, my two weeks in Texas. Uh, obviously, Super Eights and All Ireland quarter finals last weekend. A lot, a lot to cover. Oh, it was a mad weekend, mm. wasn't it? I was actually off because we, we were hurting ourselves on Sunday. So I was just watching a few of the games Saturday and got back then. And sure, yeah, as we were saying, between the between the hurling, the football, the tennis, one of probably the best match, tennis matches I've ever seen. And by all accounts, I don't follow it at all. But like this super over crazy cricket, cricket yeah. crack, like it was unbelievable weekend. One quick thing before we get into the football, we're going to have David Brady on the line and Frank Roach from the Herald in studio. Uh, it really frustrates me. We've so few games left this season, yet like we have. The, the lo- a lot of them clashing on the Sunday like yeah the hurling quarter finals and super eights all clashing like there's enough time in the day to stagger three Saturday three Sunday I just think it's ludicrous that we're being forced to choose between these matches that you're not getting their, they're not getting their day in the sunshine because you're putting up two massive games against each other it's, it's absolutely outrageous I can't think of any other sport that would deliberately handicap themselves to such a ridiculous extent. No, it's absolutely bonkers. Like before yesterday, there were five hurling championship games left, and two of them clashed with two football games yesterday. With and the, Kerry May, I was like, with all due respect, Kerry May was a huge game. Massive. So Tip game. Leach, which was a smaller match anyway, was was going to get completely drowned out. Do you want to hear better again? Um, the Offaly County Board, in their wisdom, uh, organised our championship match yesterday for two o'clock. So <laughs> there were, as I said, there were five hurling matches left in the year. So that clashed with that. By the time we got home, the other match was started as well. And our next match clashed 
clashes with the All Ireland semi final on the Saturday evening, the twenty seventh. So like there, there you go. You just you just have to wonder like um, you have to wonder if these people tuned in with reality. Oh like. god. Yeah, yeah, well, we we don't we could be here all day giving out about scheduling, but uh, we'll get into the football talk. David Brady and Frank Roach joining us now, Michael. Uh, decent enough weekend, I guess, of the, of the Super Eight, albeit the winning margin was actually greater across the four games than it was last week or last year. Rather, we'll start with the Kerry Mayo game in Killarney, built up as a real Titanic tussle, and unfortunately, it was very one sided in the end. But you know, Mayo were quite poor, but Kerry were, were so awesome and, and probably really put themselves in as Dublin's firm challengers. Yeah, best championship match I've seen them play in a long, long time. Um, what we've kind of been looking for for a while to mix the kind of the attack and defence it was the first time we've probably really seen it in, in any sort of a big game from them while they looked like they were going to score nearly every time they went up the field and created a lot of space for Clifford they were fairly watertight at the back as well which is still gave up a lot of chances though like I take your point that the score they only conceded like was it uh, 12 points or 15 points in the end but the Ch- Killian O'Connor had two great goal chances. There was one or two other little ones where the ball was fumbled in front of the goal. So are we just looking at, oh, they didn't concede a goal, but in, in reality, they did give up a number of chances. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, you'd, always, you'd always concede a couple of chances like yeah. that, but like they were in control of the game. I suppose. Yeah. That, that's, that's the main thing, and it's something we haven't probably seen from Kerry in a big game in quite a while. Very, very encouraging. Um, yeah, it was a surprise, kind of just with Mayo. Like, I know it's three weeks in a row or, or whatever, and they've been kind of maybe under a bit of pressure, but I, I just thought there'd be a bit more. They just they started reasonably well, you know, it was for all early stages, and Kerry just were able to find another gear or whatever. It's funny, though, like we were kind of saying before, and it's funny how farm can kind of work out. The, the Munster farm is actually quite strong, and nobody kind of, nobody probably thought it was because Cork put in Cork put in like a brilliant display for about fifty five minutes on Saturday night as well. Like, but yeah, that's it's a bit more of what we were hoping to see from Kerry. Yeah, interesting. Like the opening minutes, it looked like they were going blow for blow, four points each. Kerry went out to twelve four ahead, I think, after that. So there was that surge early on, and, and they never looked back. What impressed you most about their performance? Frank, sorry. Uh, well, I think th- the most important thing, well, there was a couple of things Kerry got right. Uh, obviously, they were much tighter in defence. Uh, I mean, Jason Foley probably epitomised that. But I think the, the real battlegrounds in this match were, were midfield and directly linked to that was how Kerry went after uh, David Clark's kick-out. And, like, after the that first... That was vicious, wasn't it? Like, they oh, it really was, but went it, for it. it. Like, in fairness, for the first... 10 minutes it was you know it was you know Mayo were hanging in there probably for 15 minutes they were hanging in there but there was a period then where every like it was literally Mayo kick out Mayo kick out Mayo kick out and nearly everyone Clark was looking around he'd no short options they just had closed off all the avenues and he went long and, and maybe we saw you know the, the weakness that people talk about David David Clark's kick, kick out is the fact that the, the hang time in the air uh, and David Moran especially went after that. I think he had three clean takes off Clark's kick out in the first half. The one from Stephen O'Brien as well. I remember that one where he's back. Oh yeah. And, but, but in fairness to David Clark, I wouldn't I wouldn't put all the blame on him at all. Because I thought from the word go in that game, there was a passivity about Mayo. they just looked too many of their players looked dead in their feet. And then when they did get the ball, their foot passing in the first half was atrocious. And like that just sucked even more energy out of them like you know the, 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 they were barely breaking even they weren't breaking even at midfield but when they got the ball there were balls being played played into the full forward line or you know towards the D and you know they were 10 yards off the, the intended target and you know it's like that period for 15, 20, 15 minutes in the run up to half time absolutely kill Mayo and they were better in the second half but 
they never remotely looked like getting back into the game. Just Kerry, or Kerry kept them at arm's length. Yeah, I'll bring in David Brady on the line now. David, you know, Frank raised a number of points, I guess, of, of things that went wrong for Mayo. The kickout was a huge one. Like, it's been a huge issue going back and forth between Henley and Clark over the years. Like, would you envisage another change now after this game? Surely, like, that's been one of the weaknesses of the team to start constant chopping and changing in such a key position. <clears throat> I think we just need to probably step back and realise that who do we blame from the context of not winning possession out the field? Um, you can talk about maybe one one kick going short 20 yards and being intercept, one kick maybe going over the sideline. But after that, um, I am fully from the notion that once the ball passes the 45, you're going to yourself, it's not the keeper's fault that you're not winning possession, that you're not winning clean possession, you're not winning breaks. I think it all kind of stems from the diamond of uh, our midfield, and I go and you go back to say, right, um, we had our, our most um, pivotal part of the field coming up to the in the National League was was our midfield midfield pairing of um, Aidan O'Shea and, and Matthew Rowan. Um, you can't you can't, and I never blamed as a midfielder a goalkeeper for me not catching the ball or getting a hand to the ball or getting some skin on the game. Um, it's it's it and again I would go I think from our, our half forward position, our half forward line hasn't really provided any outlet um from from a kick out. And that's 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 something that needs to be to needs to be worked because you can't just be relying on your two midfielders and I know Donny Vaughan has only came back from injury. He uh he's only back really four or five weeks in any way, shape or form at the top level training. Um Donny isn't an out-and-out fielder, so you have your probably go-to then is is Aiden, and Aiden seemed probably flat-footed yesterday. And again, you have two big men like uh, Spillane and, and David Moore, um, alternating or crowding out, boxing it out. I, I I don't feel that we need any change uh, from a keeper-wise. What we need is a, is a change of thought. And, and thought presses from, from both players and management. And David, what do you make of the notion that maybe Mayo were a bit dead on their feet to playing in those consecutive weekends, did take it out of them, and they weren't maybe able to rise to the challenge because of that? I suppose if you put if you put all the all the Curry players and all the Mayo players into a fitness testing environment yesterday, um, results and, and and the kind of the kind of uh, the 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 levels that you're looking for would be very equal. But what, what the real difference was the hunger and the, the tenacity that, that Curry showed. They showed they were up for something. And I, I, I felt from the very start that, and you could sense it from, from my old players, even though the guy says in the first eight or nine minutes, it was, you know, 4-3. Uh, it, was, it was kind of even Stevens, but you could see that some players were, were, were finding it hard to chase in the first 10 minutes. Um, and and Curry were were very light on the ground, and that's what it is. It's it's last weekend against against Galway. You had your reason. You had your excuse. You, well, you know, some people say you shouldn't need an excuse um, to be up for a game, but you had local rivalry. You had something at stake. You had bragging rights. It came down to this week that it was uh, again um, just another game for Mayo, and, and they they it kind of showed in their in their um, in their, their their whole kind of presence and their 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 body language that the hunger and the speed and the 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 the, the lightness of, 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 of foot wasn't wasn't there from their context and it's 
it's about, I think they're more mentally fatigued than physically fatigued because they have done absolutely damn all in the last number of weeks from a training perspective. And you're going, it's, it's, it's games. It's games that players love. And let nobody tell me that you get tired from playing um, three games in a row or four games in a row because, yes, your injuries mount up. And that's, that's what has, has cost me as well. But I actually felt personally, and I, I, I did say that going into this game yesterday, um, that Mayo were were uh, were not going to win it, and I I felt that because um, you have a team that is is definitely in 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 everybody's mind now um, the contenders to to the only real contenders and number two to the throne to Dublin. Um, they were they were excellent all over the pitch, and uh, Mayo played into their hand. If you have a if you're kicking out a ball and you're going into the same position and you're looking for the same runs time and time again, Mayo what they needed to do yesterday I thought was very much. Um, have a bunch mentality in some of their kickouts. You don't need the guys hugging the corners because it just played into Curry's hand. They should have had a, a a line, a bunch, a bunch mentality for for guys breaking left and right and, and making making it hard for for Curry to cut out space. We didn't do that. Um, they seemed to be uh, mentally fatigued, and um, it was the game was over at halftime, and it could have been a fifteen or twenty point um, demolition because um, Curry had chances. David Clark saved. Uh, two, if not three, one-on-ones. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was a complete, it was a complete and utter um, capitulation from Mayo on some grounds. But you'd have to hand it to Curry. They were, uh, they were really up for that game yesterday. Yeah, Michael, as David mentions there. Have Curry emerged now as the number two, the definitive number two? Dunny Gower talked about as maybe the best team equipped to take down Dublin, and I know they haven't done anything to maybe lose ground in a way, but. That performance was so comprehensive that are they now the firm challengers? Yeah, I think Tomás O'Shea kind of made a fair point last night. You, you really don't know where Kerry you need to see. You're going to have to see it. It's only probably next Sunday or this weekend you're going to probably find out. You'll have a more accurate reflection. Like They've been hit and miss and hit and miss. So you're going to have to see it consistently against a couple of big teams before you're... Well, I'm going to have to see it anyway before I'm a believer. You know the talent is there, but... Yeah, just to see it, like Donegal is is the big test. Like yeah. if if they're able to put it all together against them and come away three or four points winners, you'd say yeah. But I I still think they have. I still think Donegal are a bit ahead from the point of view of they look a more consistent. How should we say contender? Well, as a wrestling fan, I think it's what is the number one contender bout uh, this weekend <laughs> in Croke Park. It is yeah. pretty much yeah. Shot um, the title. And let's move on to some of the other games over the weekend. But I guess. The Dublin game, and specifically Frank, but the news of Dermot Connolly's return, we kind of hadn't talked about him for a few weeks, so almost as if, because of that, Jim Gavin finally decided to let, let the, the cat out of the bag. Um, it's a strange timing. Obviously, he, he was meant to be playing in Boston. There was a visa issue. He's seemingly now back in the squad. Like what? First, Jim's matter-of-fact delivery was Brilliant. just quality, perfect quality, like, for Jim yeah. Gavin, but what, what do you make of the, of the whole thing? What role could he play going forward, you think? Yeah, whatever about the timing of it, Jim's timing was quite immaculate yesterday <laughs> and the way he threw that into the mix. I mean, I... I I'd, strangely enough or wrongly on my part, I'd convinced myself that I'd, I'd keyed in the words Dear McConnelly for the last time this summer and lo and behold, there we had yesterday morning. Uh, I mean, the timing is strange. I mean, we are, what, nearly two months, uh, probably six or seven weeks since Dublin opened their championship campaign. Rory O'Carroll came back into the mix at the start of May and everyone was, you know, everyone was convinced at that stage that, you know, if Dermot was going to come back, you know, it would have to be around that time yeah. to, to fully bed into it. Like, 
here we are now, right in the mix, and and he's only back now. You and could even argue that as well the fact that he was going away and was like, you know what I mean? It's oh, like I mean, Dublin yeah, is a second option this summer. Yeah, you know? it's, it's it's strange, well, it's quite clear. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if there hadn't been whatever the uh, Esther technicality was with the the visa, you know, this wouldn't have happened. Dermot would be in Boston now, uh, but he's not, and I'm sure Dublin fans are delighted about it. We're all intrigued as much as anything because, uh, I mean, Connolly's talent. His X factor, you know, his ability to produce something that probably no one else on that Dublin team can to do is, you know, we've all seen it, but we haven't seen it at a high level since uh, the 2017 All Ireland final, which is now 22 months ago. Uh, he came out as a sub that day at half time, and and in fairness, I would actually rank it probably his best All Ireland final performance, and it's the one he didn't start in terms of profound influence in turning a game that was could easily have gone against against Dublin. But he hasn't started a game for Dublin since the Carroll game where he ended up getting a 12-week Is ban. there any downside to this move for Jim Gavin? Is there any chance of squad harmony being upset? Anyone, anything like that? You know, because someone coming back in is Frank. So being parachuted in yeah. halfway through a summer, halfway, like almost a third of the way through the Super 8s, um, is there any, any danger to that, you think? I find it hard to believe that there is because it is such a kind of a radical move at this time of the year that I'd imagine it was the, the subject was probably brought up with some of the key kind of players or kind of key leaders in the squad. And I'd imagine there's no problem. Does Jim, Jim Gavin roll uh, like that, no, though? I, like, I think he, well, like, this Alan Brogan previously said that yeah. when Jim came in, he was cut out of any inner circle. There was really no inner Maybe circle. Maybe so, but, but you'd imagine you'd have to have a couple of conversations. Mm. We're, like, we're going to bring Dermot back in in the middle of July and like there's only six or seven weeks of championship left. It is it is a strange one. Like so yeah. I'd imagine he has kind of tested the waters there just to see. But like and Frank can tell you as well, any Dublin players we've talked to at different functions and different things, like they're always unbelievably complimentary. Always I'd love to play with him again. He's always a part of our squad. He's always a part of our panel. We've great history together. He's a class footballer. So I don't know like I do, I don't know how much he's gonna feature but it's definitely it has to, it has to it has to be a boost. It yeah. has to be a boost because if they are in trouble and just like like Jack McCaffrey pulled them out of a fair bit of trouble the other night, they have another player now with an X factor mm. that can do that if needed. Maybe they won't need him. Maybe they won't need him, but it's nice to have that there. Yeah, well, you'd rather what have him and not need him than need him and not have him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, David. Yeah. Well, like, were you surprised at the, at the turn of events, or like, at, and what's your kind of, I guess, read on the situation going forward? Do you, do you think he'll be he'll be featured heavily over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I, su- I suppose bringing Jeremy Connolly in is, in my mind, a positive. You know, these, this bunch of, of Dublin players have, they have history together and it's a tight connect. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a closeness that only other teams and, and counties could dream of and you won't have any outward uh, negativity with, with Jeremy coming back. Um, is he coming back to better the team in, uh, in training games? Um, you can be guaranteed whoever's marking Jeremy Connolly in training games will... Uh, Will maybe find it easier on the uh, on game day, but it's when he does appear. Um, how much? How much can he bring to the table? Um, you know, who is he going to p- appear ahead of? And I suppose if you really look at it, um, Jim Gavin is saying to himself, "Have I got the bench? Have I got the bench that I used to have?" And you're going, you know what? The likes of James McCarthy is coming back from injury, but Bardeen Rock. Um, I don't. I don't personally think that Dublin have had they haven't probably needed it but they haven't had the challengers coming from the bench to push the guys from a, on, a, on a starting place um, you have you have Dean Rock come on scored five points he's probably frustrated that he's not starting the game uh, and, and the last two or three occasions he's come on he's playing fantastically well 
But after that, Kevin McMenamin, Owen Merchant, Owen O'Gara, Paddy Small, you're going, are these guys really, really making the impact? Uh, really challenging? Uh, I, I think this is probably up in the ante from, from a forward's perspective to say, well, guys, uh, I need someone that can actually challenge, come on, and, and make a, a real contribution no matter what the scoreboard says. And I think uh, Conley can do that. Now, we can, we can all be guaranteed one thing. He's not the, he's not the Jeremy Conley fitness-wise of old. Um, he's not. He he hasn't got the the miles in the tank that he would have in previous championship seasons. But he's got class, and uh, it's hard. That's a hard substitute. Um, to, that's you can't you can't deny class, and he has it. But um, if it doesn't work, and Jim McConley comes on, um, it, Jim Jim Gavin ha, has not really. He doesn't come across as the gambling type. But um, when he brings him on, when he introduces him, I know that Rory O'Carroll came back, and he was you know. From a from a substitute perspective, he he wasn't afraid to uh, to introduce him, and I don't think um, I think he'll definitely introduce um, Jim McConley by the end of the Super Eights. Whether he plays in semi final or final All Ireland, that's questionable. But he'll definitely introduce him at some stage because you need to get that over. You need to get that conversation finished with, and it's not the will he won't he um, make a make an appearance. I think he'll in some way, shape, or form. Probably in the last Super Eight game, he will. I think it's another like sign of Gavin's humility as well. Like there's a there's a lot of managers probably wouldn't have taken a player back in that scenario, but he's basically taken out any element of chance in this five in a row. That if if it's not going if they're not going to pull it off, there's not going to be we didn't have Dermot, Jim got it wrong or anyone got it wrong or anything. Covering like his that. own ass. Yeah, like, nah, I wouldn't say he's covering his own ass, but he 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 just he will. You uh, distinctly get the impression he will just whatever is best for the group. He will always do that, and I just—it doesn't look like there's any ego involved there at all, which is an, a massively positive thing for them and a dangerous thing for everybody else. And just to go back to the on-pitch uh, action, the Dublin Court game, Frank. Obviously, Dublin ran out thirteen-point winners in the end with a couple of late goals, but really competitive game for the most part. And there was kind of two, two ways of looking at it in the sense. Dublin got a really good game from Cork for the majority of that game. But on the other hand, you could look at it and say, is that the, a bad thing then that they still run out such easy winners having got such a challenge? Like, was there kind of a false sense of a contest all along? Like, which, which way do you look at it? Uh, no, I think Ferris was a very enjoyable game. Uh, first half especially, like, um, I mean, it ripped along at a real pace to it. And uh, Jim Gavin insisted it wasn't the case afterwards that there was any hint of kind of maybe sluggishness you know they hadn't played for three weeks they hadn't been remotely tested in Leinster not, he didn't say that I hmm. hasten to add uh, but you know he said that wasn't the case it was just Cork's quality they, they'd been putting up very big tallies in the few matches in the lead up to that albeit uh, not against not against Dublin but they'd still rattle Kerry for three goals and uh it was a. It, it wasn't by any means the perfect Dublin performance, but what it underlined again is the is the new generation of leaders in this in this Dublin setup. You know, I mean, Paul Flynn has retired. Bernard Brogan isn't getting remotely near to even match at twenty six at the moment. Uh, Rory O'Carroll has come back, but he's you know he didn't even get minutes at the weekend. But it's the mid twenties and even younger brigade who are now the class of ninety three. Is it well, effectively McCaffrey, Fenton, Kilkenny, like. McCaffrey was well, yeah. McCaffrey uh, as he is in, in lots of games for Dublin was sensational at the, uh, at the weekend. You know, it's not just that he's so exciting to watch. He's he's very consistent as well. Really, you know, there's yeah. it's rare, rarely enough that you'd see him having a having a stinker anymore. Uh, his influence was huge. I mean, not just he got the first goal. He had a, a pivotal hand in three of the other four. Yeah, goals. How many line breaks? Like how many? Yeah, times he's uh, the that's line what he does, yeah. especially in the first half when they were on. Yeah, the and that actually that, that is, I think, why Jack is so important to Dublin uh, because you know. 
not that it, it wasn't the way Cork set up, but in certain matches when, you know, they're they're keeping the ball and they're they're probing backwards and you know, they're they're looking for that gap. More often than not, Jack is the guy who just finds the hole by just bursting on through it, you know. He was he was huge. Um I thought Brian Howard had his best game of the year. Uh, like the the irony is, you know, he was the one Dublin forward or midfielder who didn't score, but he was huge, especially in the first half. Um, and and he's even younger than that. He's only what twenty two, I think, yeah, at the moment, is he yeah. or whatever? Uh, Kilkenny was good. Uh, Conor Callaghan had a huge game. You know, these are the guys who are. You know, they're 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 actually the 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 backbone in a way of this Dublin team at the moment. Um, and they, uh, again, Dublin were only three points up coming up to the hour, and you're saying, you know, there's a few things that aren't quite right there. But how they finished the game, it it just summed up why they're a step ahead of everyone else, and it also underlined how basically some some teams can try to stick with Dublin for you know as long as you can through the legs and the heads, but eventually everything gets frazzled and the gaps open up, and they just went through them yeah you could tell Cork were out on their feet with about 15-20 minutes even 20 minutes to go nah you could in fairness but up until that it was one of the most enjoyable games for an hour that I've watched in a long long time and the way Cork kind of probed them particularly in the first 20 minutes really patient but but really really quick really brilliant through the hands um, it's great to see like Brian Hurley has had some nightmare with injuries like he tore, tore his hamstring off the bone twice the second time after just coming back from doing it and like he was unbelievably dangerous anytime he got the ball the other day. The sidestep, the, the, the dummy solo and then the score off the left. And he just looked unbelievably dangerous. He was impossible to handle like no matter who was on him. And that's great to see for them going forward. Hard to believe that they're going to be playing Division 3 football next year. But um, it, it's, it's just... the Tier 2 Championship. They yeah. mightn't even be in, it, uh, in the top tier. Yeah, exactly. It just By all accounts, I think they had a meeting um, halfway through the league or at the end of the league and decided that they weren't happy with the style of football they were playing. It was so much more positive... Challenge match champions day. for twenty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but by all accounts, I think that's one of the reasons why why Rory O'Carroll wasn't starting. I think I think Brian Hurley apparently gave him a bit of a runaround. But that's the that's the talk yeah, anyway on yeah. the challenge but, game circuit. But actually, just on that note, that in a way we saw uh, one of the differences between Dublin and all the rest on that because uh, Brian Hurley he skinned Michael Fitzsimons in the left corner uh, yeah. during the second quarter sometime uh, to create one of Cork's probably two goal chances in the game. It was easy for us up on high, but you could see it. It says, hand pass the ball across the square, Luke Connolly, yeah. simple to be, tap To be in. fair, Keanu yeah. Sullivan did. He did, but it was still, there, was well. a second, there was a second there, passes yeah. on, give it now, and he didn't, and he went for goal, and Cluxton made a fine save. But, you know, it, it wasn't, that was the clear goal chance. And and a few minutes later, Cormac Costler, who had a, had a very poor game generally for Dublin, but he was released by Conor Callaghan, and... It was probably a clearer goal chance for him than Hurley at the other end, but he said no. He hand passed the ball across, and there was McCauley, simple slam. Real volleyball spike. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know th- that's what Dublin have got very, very good at. You know they'll always, you know, they won't take the goal chance on early. They'll work it for the, you know, the, the, the literally the 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 ninety percent chance. The percentages are always played. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and they do that in their shooting for point shooting as well. Yeah, David, how impressed were you with Dublin? Obviously, the first. 10 minutes were probably sl- slow enough, but then after that, you know, they were, they were pretty consistent and, and at the end they hit their, their straps. Yeah, and that's, look at, I suppose, for me, I did say to myself, and you look at the the, the, the reality, it was after 46 minutes, 2.12 to 1.12, you're kind of going, like, this is, as we said, it, it is to say where Cork is coming from. This is a team that's been relegated to Division 3 
And at that tempo, at that pace, and you can't say Dublin were toying with them because there weren't. There was some other players that was 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 struggling big time. And I think the likes of of, of Keane O'Sullivan um, had had uh, one of his one of his um, least memorable days in the office. Um, you know, from a fitness wise, they blew them. They consistently Dublin do that for seventy minutes. But you go to yourself: is there is there any kink of light for a team to say? After 46 minutes, there was damn all in this game between the two teams. Um, and there was a score in it at that stage. And you go, where where can the likes of the Donegals or the Currys of this world, if they're at that stage, it, fitness fitness is not going to be is not going to be a major uh, definer. And I, I was very very impressed with Cork. Um, I thought Paddy, you know, the, as I said, Brian Hurley was was absolutely outstanding. Um, one guy, one guy for me that really, really brought it to the fore was like um, Paul Currigan. He he was he was all over the pitch, and I suppose from a mid midfield point of view, you're going. He really did damage in around his own his uh, his midfield 45 yard line, and he attacked Dublin. And the the the, the guy, the ball hand and skins, as the guy said, for me was the most impressive aspect of course play. Um, but again, you have you have Dublin are consistent. They don't let up. Um, they, they they keep it in top gear all the time, and uh, again, um, it's some of them. Some of them were just un, un, unmarkable, and I, I think I don't think I've ever ever seen the likes of of a player as fluid, as fast, as comfortable on the ball, and as as um, as, as as cutthroat as, as Jack McCaffrey, who was absolutely outstanding every time he got the ball. You're going, you know, how does how do how do Cork stop him? Um, but it, it it's like you know with with uh, Michael Dara, Brian Fenton. Brian Fenton was again outstanding. But do, can you can you from a forward perspective? And we're going back to the first game we mentioned. Can you from a forward perspective, the Davy Byrne, the Michael Fitz, and the Phillies of this world, can they be got at? Um, if you were to put if you were to put uh, the, the the six Curry forwards, uh, definitely the, the the Curry inside forwards uh, versus the Dublin inside forwards. Um, it's it's you 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 have you have a match you have a match for anyone again you need twelve other players across the pitch and that's what that's what the super eight is going to give um, they're going to give teams an idea uh, an opportunity to tweak um, from from a mindset um, the, the the defeated people the defeated teams um, the Meads the Mayo's of this world um, they're going to have to say you know what uh, it, this is some this is something new from us and I I, I think from a from a Mayo perspective Cork. And and me, they saying right, we've lost. We can we can can you what positives can you take out of the game, if any? And you've got to reevaluate, but you've also bring a new self uh, in in seven days' time to uh, to Crow Park and uh, what other venues are saying it's game two of ga- of three, and it's um, this it, this is where it becomes knockout for the likes of them teams. Great stuff, David. Thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Go David. Thanks. Cheers, Dave. Thanks, man. So, Michael, just to go over the other two matches, then quickly, uh, Tyrone Roscommon. You know, a good win for Mickey Hartsman. You know, up in Dr. Hyde Park, not an easy place to go. There was a really good atmosphere there. It was played in really, really hot weather, which, you know, in Ireland does make a big difference. Um, but Tyrone, you know, were, were quite comfortable overall, even though it was only a four point margin. Yeah, probably workman, like I said. They did what kind of what they had to do. Roscommon have improved an awful lot. They've made themselves a lot more difficult to play Considering against. Considering they were thumped by 18 yeah. points last yeah, year. Yeah, like it was double scores, I think, yeah. last year, yeah. They've made themselves a lot more difficult to play against. Um, they're not going to cough up the same sort of goal chances as they did last year. Like, Roscommon had two goal, two decent goal chances as well. We're talking about, like, um, 
lads maybe hand passing the ball across. I think it was Connor Cox that came in along the end line there, and it probably should have been a hand pass across. I think there was Ender Smith or someone was inside, and it's a far higher percentage of a goal chance. So it could have been a good bit tighter. But yeah, Tyrone just kind of, I, I only saw the highlights of the game from what I saw. They did what they had to do, never looked in too much danger, and were kind of just able to step it up a gear in the, you know, between the period, maybe 50th and 60th minute when they had to. And one player who was a big reason for that was Colin McShane, who's probably been close to Footballer of the Year thus far. He's been a real good fine. I know he's been with them before, but in that new kind of role in that full forward, he's been a real fine, hasn't he? Uh, he's been he's been brilliant. But uh, like he hasn't been a, found, a fine because he's been around. But yeah. I mean, in this role, he 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 moved there uh, during the league and and was brilliant when Tyrone were playing a what we call the more expansive version of their of their their game when Matty Donnelly was playing further up the pitch as well. But I mean, since the Donegal game, and in fairness, against Donegal when when. Tyrone had almost a collective meltdown, especially in the first half. Like uh, McShane was decent enough. Off he Lyndon, well, he, you know, well he was year. still winning yeah. ball and uh, on that day and laying it off. But he's even when they've reverted to kind of maybe leaving him up on top by himself, he's still been brilliant. And that's probably that's an important difference between Tyrone this year and last year because last year they'd one man up for a lot of the season as well. But that man might have been five foot six or five foot seven, whereas McShane is quite comfortable winning ball on his own with someone up. You know, right behind him, um, and he's, he, he's, he's, he can shoot off either foot, or he'll bring teammates into play. Now, Joe Brawley was has been excoriating enough about Toronto over the last few weeks that you know they're not going to win any All Ireland if you know with the way they the going back to sort of Plan A like this, and and maybe he's right because you know they won't beat Dublin that way. I just wonder if not necessarily an Oma because both teams could be through to the semi-finals at that stage and if that's the case they mightn't be showing all their hands either but you know, maybe just maybe if Tyrone got a shot at Dublin in an All-Ireland final again with three weeks to prepare or two weeks to prepare whatever it is they actually might sort of go back to what yeah. did the damage in well, the league like, as like well this, if you talk about horses for courses right if you can beat every team bar one playing a certain style like surely you play that style, and then when you play the other team, maybe you you throw something different at them the next time. Mm. But like, does that not need to be honed though in the pressure cooker yeah, or a big championship game? You mightn't get a chance to actually play that style against yeah. them. So they're, I think they're giving themselves the best chance. I would imagine if Tyrone play Dublin in a knockout game, there will be, as Conor McKeown has said regularly, there will be a bit more unpredictability about them because that's probably been their one biggest kind of flaw when they play Dublin. Dublin knew exactly what they were going to do. Yeah, they have like tried that system at for long stages this year so it's not as if they'd be pulling something out of the blue mm. and just from chatting a few of them after games they have said that like regularly we, we kind of asked them you're kind of reverting to type and they're like well you know we're not going to abandon what we've done but we know it's we know it's not got us over the line so we're going to ha- we'll have to do something different if it comes about again but by playing the style they are at the moment they're giving themselves the best chance to get a chance to play a style yeah, if you know what I mean sense when you yeah. put it like that and this on the last game then Donegal Mead uh, impressive uh, in the end from Donegal given that Mead took the lead I think with 54-55 minutes gone and yet Donegal won by 9 so a really good second half surge Frank yeah uh, again I was kind of flicking between channels at this stage so I didn't get the full handle on that game but I mean Mead created goal chances in that period as well they got the penalty but you know uh, that's obviously has to be a bit of a worry for Donegal that you know the, the so-called weak team in this group uh, at home in an utterly must-win match for Donegal they found themselves you know point down with uh, at the three-quarter mark but the response was was hugely impressive like coming from the bench but also coming from the figures you expected to come from Michael Murphy Ryan McHugh Paddy McBrearty 
uh, is back and fully in the zone now. And I mean, this is why I give Donegal a shot at, at the All-Ireland this year. You know, if they can if they can get to a stage where it comes to it, they're playing Dublin in a straight knockout game, that they have f- at least five or six players who would arguably get on the, I think, would get in the Dublin team yeah. in terms of quality. Uh, I mean, Michael Murphy would get on any team. I think Ryan McHugh would get on any Paddy team. McBrearty. Paddy McBrearty would get on oh, any Mon team. Gallagher as well was yeah. close, I'd say. Uh, ah, yeah. Like, I think he is nearly the nearest thing to a Jack McCa- another Jack McCaffrey out there uh, because he is just, he is jet-heeled. He is so quick, dynamic, comfortable on the ball when he's running with it too. Do you know? So Jamie Brennan that, as well. Jamie Brennan has had a brilliant season for them. So they, they have individual quality. They have a system of play that they're, they're very comfortable playing with. Stephen Rashford appears to have made a, you know, a big difference in terms of coaching as well. They have a keeper whose kick-outs kick out, are Cluxton-esque. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he has been brilliant in all the games. Like His ability to... They're kind of like laser darts and they always seem to be favouring the, the, the Donegal man if it's, if it's got... Like, he regularly goes long. But and Donegal it's, just, win a, most and of it's them. just a little touch. You see the touch from Murphy? Oh, that, that was, that was brilliant. Like, brilliant. Brilliant, like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they have an awful lot of quality. Whether they've enough to beat Dublin is the question everyone's going to ask. But you have uh, an intriguing scenario you could have in a couple of weeks' time uh, if, um, especially if Kerry beat Donegal this weekend, uh, you could have a kind of a straight shootout between Mayo and Donegal in McHale Park to decide who goes through there. And you'll have Stephen Rochford in the uh, yeah. visiting dugout. Yeah. You know, and he knows everything <laughs> that, that, that is to be known about this Mayo team. And just on that as well, like, I, I won't be writing off Mayo yet either. So all they need to do is get a result this weekend. They just need to get a win. A point or two, it doesn't matter. They get two weeks off and then it's the game that they have to win. So, like... Maybe they, maybe maybe in a way they weren't at full tilt yesterday. Maybe they're playing. Maybe they're not. Maybe not subconsciously, but maybe they're playing the long game. They'd actually be a lot better off playing second next weekend because then they would know read score well, difference. That, that's the one thing I'd clarify is that they they may just need to get a result this weekend. They may also need a, a result win. in the first match because yeah. uh, if, for argument's sake, that um, let me see, if Donegal, Donegal win, Donegal win. Then Mayo have to beat Donegal and by a certain amount. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, yeah. You have, then you have the real lo- possibility of three teams finishing level on mm. four points, and that's where the, the ten-point defeat that Mayo, Mayo yeah. suffered yesterday could come back to haunt them. You know, uh, and like Donegal came with a late burst to to win a, a, a an edge of the seat match by job, nine yeah. points. You mm. know, so um, you know that's where it may not be all in Mayo's hands. But I thought it was kind of interesting that you know Mayo had gone through three weeks of. Do or die. Just get through this game by hook or by crook. And then you get to a game where, right, here we are. We've got to the Super 8s. And it's not suddenly, it's not do or die, even though, you know, in a way it is. Mm. And whether that was a factor at all at play yeah. in, in what happened. I was, watching, watching, yeah, I was watching the games at home with my father yesterday. And he said, are Mayo out now? And I said, no, they're not. Oh, sure, that's... He was <laughs> giving out like... And then he's, he asked, um, he couldn't go over how... You know, he understands the GA. And he couldn't go over how Cork were out after getting bet in the um, in the hurling and how the Cork footballers worked out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So they all have another shot at yeah, I suppose, which makes it interesting in, in another way, in a different kind of way. Well, that's it for football on the throw and an association with board gosh energy. Time for hurling now, Michael. It was an intriguing weekend uh, of the quarterfinals. Obviously, one game was kind of catching the eye more than another. Cork versus Kilkenny. And at halftime, Cork with a narrow two-point lead. Then a devastating third quarter burst, reminiscent of like 
Brian Cody teams in, in Kilkenny's heyday where the, the big names were back to the fore your Richie Hogan's your Walter Walsh who would come in and then they, they, they ended up being pegged back a little but it was still quite comfortable in the end they went they went back out to, to win by about six points yeah not sure I'm not sure if it was devastating or if it was just a no-show from Cork I, I'm finding it hard to make my mind up to be honest which is probably the third time in a row where Cork has been in like big games in Crow Park and just have seemed to fade out at a crucial stage of the game like uh, and it, they just looked. They were at sixes and sevens during that that uh, that third quarter. It's it's just strange, and you'd have to feel like sorry for for Patrick Horgan and Alan Cadigan, like they were going to going to town. Three ten for Patrick yeah, Horgan. Going to town, like and Horgan, like was just like he was unstoppable yesterday when the ball went near him. But they just couldn't get. They just couldn't feed him enough. Like the lads, basically the lads out the field just weren't able to do enough for him and. Every time the ball went in around the Cork backs, they looked reasonably shaky. And like if you were to say before the match that TJ Reid would be held scoreless and Kilkenny would still still score two seventeen from play, like there's no way you would have you would have believed that. Like so, it, I suppose it's good signs for Kilkenny again that that maybe new fellas are kind of stepping up. I have to say though, like. Brian Cody is I don't know. It's it's phenomenal how how he does it. Like and they were obviously written off. Nearly everyone. I could see, apart from Martin Brehney, uh, tip Cork to win the match, and the wise old Fox, of course, went for Africa <laughs> Kenny, having having ghost written uh, Cody's book, of course, as well. He know money too well, but like they just always deliver. You know, you just know what you're going to get from them the whole time. Now they're in the All Ireland semi final. They're probably going to be probably two to one, five to two underdogs going into that match. They'll have nothing to lose. If they look back at last year's match, they say we were beating two points. We we're in a winning position uh, after on the hour mark. Walter Walsh wasn't playing. Um, so like they will give themselves a serious chance, like so. It's it's amazing. I just I think it's amazing how Cody just can churn this all out. Like, well, it's been an interesting I guess job he's done Frank in the last kind of season or two because I guess his remit has been to bring in this new talent or get find new players to supplement what's already there. And then yet yesterday the core group who have won all Ireland's were, were kind of the key man. You know, you Paul Murphy in the corner was was quite good. You know, Connor Fogarty played really well. T.J. Reid didn't score from play but was very influential. And then Walter Walsh, Richie Hogan. Who's Colin been, Fenley, yeah. you know, played with injuries, and Colin Fenley was almost remarkable. It was it was that core kind of group of all stars who actually kind of carried the day. Well, you know, if Kilkenny are going to win the All Ireland, those players are they're the one they're still the key to to this team. I mean, it's been clear for several years that you know, I mean, Kilkenny have lost their aura of invincibility that they had for ten years effectively. Um, but but what Cody has managed over the last probably year or two is I'm not saying it's as impressive, but it's pretty oh, it's, it's pretty I, impressive. I think it's not far off now. Yeah, because year. last year's know, league title and just oh, getting well, them getting them to this level, like they, by all accounts, they nearly shouldn't be at this level. Like they've been written off. They've people are saying they're carrying like passengers. They don't have a squad. Too many new faces, and yet they're still there. Like. Yeah, and and what what is ability? It's not sometimes it's not even radical, but just to change things during matches as well. Because, I mean, at halftime uh, down in Olin Park at the start of this championship, Dublin have hurled up a storm for a lot of that first half against against uh, against Kilkenny. And you were saying, Do you know, this is, they'll never have a better chance of beating them in championship in their own backyard. But, you know, he moved, uh, he moved uh, Porrig Walsh back, I think, to centre back that That's day. Right, yeah. Moved several other little tweaks along with that. And suddenly the Kilkenny half back line took over, mm. which the is always the bedrock. Yeah. You know, Joey Holden moved back yesterday and just gave them a bit of cover in the full back line. Yeah, yeah because in the first yeah. ten minutes in that game, like I mean, obviously Cork got the penalty. They should have had a, did a glorious goal chance uh, a few minutes later when I think the wrong pass. No, Cadigan had the shot brilliantly saved, uh, and Horgan didn't get the follow up. You know, there were several times in that opening quarter 
where once the ball got beyond the 45 metre line, suddenly Kilkenny looked wide yeah, open. Yeah. But that didn't happen much thereafter. Yeah, and, and what, from your perspective, watching the game, what unfolded after that opening period when Cork did look the better team to, to turn the tide? Because it was significantly like, you know, they, they they kind of won a lot of the Anthony Nash's puck out, you know, breaking ball, they seemed to clean up in particular in the second half. Any dropping ball, a Kilkenny man was coming out of a ruck with it. it that kind of old work rate that, that you know, you, you associate with Kilkenny teams was there. Was that the big thing or was there other stuff as well? Yeah, no, they're kind of batting down the hatches. It's funny, when a team is going well, if you can just minimise the damage that they do within that period, your pur- the purple patch will eventually stop and you will get into the game and get a bit of momentum so they were 1-3 to a point down Joey Holland kind of went back around the D just covering Cadigan and Horgan and it just kind of uh, Brendan Cummins always says it like about stemming the blood loss when when you're bleeding just stem it as much as you can and get yourself into the game and that's basically what they did then Holland kind of went back out and they were just dominating Nash's puck I've never seen haven't seen Nash's puck out dominated like that before like he's basically their launch pad he's their quarterback they usually They'd be looking at 75 to 80% of puck outs retained usually. I think it was 50% yesterday. So there's there's at least 10 or 15 balls in a game less. And it was interesting to see, I was sitting behind the goal, so I was just like watching Anthony Nash after like you know losing those puck outs. He, he was furious. So it was interesting. It was like, was it a breakdown in communication or was it just, you know, a poor, poorly, you know, choice of option? It was an interesting kind of dynamic. In that yeah, and that. see, there was more, there was the half hours been were, were been really really tightly marked and you have to remember as well they don't have a, a Bonner Matter or they don't have a Peter Duggan or someone like that they don't have a big kind of rangy player that will <laughs> without being smart that will get stuck in and win that dirty ball so if they don't win the initial ball which should be in their favour they're in trouble because they're all ball players without being smart and uh, if they don't win that initial possession they're in trouble and they just they didn't they weren't able to get their hands on it yesterday Kilkenny it's funny uh, Rory Jacobs sent out a tweet yesterday he said um, everyone saying Cork were going to win and uh, they did not realise like that this is a Munster hurling the Cork forwards are marked when they play a Leinster team <laughs> and it's just like that was the one thing you're saying that Kilkenny will bring a level of physicality that Cork probably haven't seen and they weren't really able to match it yeah, just to go back to Cork for a second, you know, Michael mentioned that how in Croke Park the last couple of years they have kind of capitulated, you know, almost, almost every year. I think it's now four big games in Croke Park since 2013 or five, including that Ireland final that they've been defeated in. Mm-hmm. Is it a mental thing now for this group of Cork players? Because I think from the 2013 team there was seven or eight starters guys involved yesterday. Is it a mental kind of block now on the big days in Croke Park? It, it, it maybe partly mental, but I, I just think it it it's, it comes that bad. Back to the fundamentals. I mean, you know, when they needed to win hard ball in that in that uh, third quarter, they weren't able to. You know, your 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 Corker very reliant on Harnady if he's coming out the pitch. You know, it depends on where he's located as well. And then the likes of Cooper and Carney picking up the breaks, but they don't have enough of those players. And you know, for all their brilliance inside, if you, you saw it any time the ball got into Horgan or, or Cadigan, there was trouble. Yeah. Kilkenny were in serious bother. But it just didn't happen often enough. So I mean, uh, like Cork have, Cork should have still have a pretty decent conveyor belt of underage players coming through over the next while. I mean, everyone was talking about the brilliant under twenty one team last year that fell just short in the All Ireland final against expectation. Now several of those players are on that team. Um, you know, Cork aren't going to go away. But I'd say maybe there's several members of that team who may not be around. 
for the long haul. Corker, like a couple of those guys might miss out, but Corker going to be unbelievably strong in five or six years. Well, well this was well, I was going to one of my questions. Will it will it be five or six years? Like, should, should is now the time to rebuild this team and bring in more of these young players and and phase out these guys who have been here since twenty thirteen. Some of them who've had a lot of chances and haven't delivered. Like, obviously, Patrick, I'm not saying Patrick Organ or, or some of these big big names, but maybe some of the other guys, maybe in defence in particular. Pa- possibly, yeah. Like, there's, I, I saw someone had up on Twitter yesterday, Cork's team for 2020, and had about five lads that were playing yesterday on it. Like, I don't think it's going to be that radical. But they do. But should uh, it be that radical? Because uh, they've had so many chances. In, cro- like, in defence, it, de- in defense it definitely needs to be anyway. And I, I'm not sure, like, but saying that, we're looking at the under-20s the other night, and between Shane O'Brien and Brian Turnbull you have two really good forwards to come into it they need to they do need to find a ball runner in the half forward line a rangy kind of a centre forward half forward because that's they're actually being kind of um, straight jacketed to play a certain way because they can't like launch it long or anything like that. they kind of feel like they can't because they don't have those sort of players that are going to win 40, 60 balls against them so I think there's a fair bit of action to be taken but it's not, not overly radical I, I wouldn't be a hundred percent sure if John Myler would be there next year. My second question: I wouldn't be a hundred percent sure. Like if you looked, he brought them in last year to win a Munster title, All Ireland semi final. Should have been an All Ireland final this year. The last three championship games, kind of not that didn't go out without a whimper yesterday, but it was a disappointing probably way to go out. Really, really inconsistent. Even throughout the league, they go from beating you know Limerick to being absolutely annihilated by Tipperary. Heavy loss to Tip. Heavy loss to Clare reasonably heavy loss to Kilkenny yesterday so like if it's a rebuilding job it's kind of I don't know he's two years in do you do you go with an, another face to rebuild the whole thing or do you keep him on it's a, it's a difficult one it'll be interesting to see and the irony is this is a team who beat Limerick in, in a match at the time that was seen as you know huge it wasn't a case yeah. where you know the last round the round robin where Limerick could afford to you know to lose the tip you know it was one where you know there was a lot on the line uh, and and they produced a brilliant performance that day. But the problem with Cork is that came you know a week after they had you know they'd been ripped apart in in many respects by Tip, and it's that inconsistency that I would say is driving their fans demented a bit as well. Yeah, definitely. Like but that day against uh, that day against Limerick, they, it was uh, the one where they, you kept using them was really it was manly. Like they were in their faces. None of the Limerick forwards ever had time on a ball. I think it was the whole opposite yesterday again. You just don't know what you're going to get, unfortunately, you know, and it's, that's the most frustrating part for it, and I'd say John Wyler is probably pulling his hair out, whatever hair he has left, like, at this stage, because it's, um, yeah, it's just, like, it's, as a manager, that's the one thing you're, you crave, is a consistency, and they just haven't had that this year at all, like, and it's, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go from here. And on the other quarterfinal, Tip Ray versus Leash, a very spirited effort from Leash, even though Tip hit them with two goals in the first half, they didn't, they didn't fall away, they gave a really impressive account of themselves, but ultimately, Tip were 80-1 to one on going into the game, there was only really going to be one winner. There, there, there probably was, there was, but I mean, uh, I'm delighted that Leash, you know, didn't suffer a really bad beating. Now, it wouldn't have taken away from everything they've achieved this year, but, you know, some people would say, ah, well, look, that's the level you're, you're still at. You know, it, it's it's huge for them going into next year when they're going to be in the, 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 the Leinster 5 or Leinster 6, if it become, can it become that next no, year? No, it can't, can't next year. year. No, yeah. It has to be 2021. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's... They've had a brilliant year. I mean, the McDonough Cup final a couple of weeks ago, you could see watching it that they were, even though the match was close for a fair bit, they were several steps ahead of Westmead. They had a the pace, the physicality, the great forwards. But now I know I was on holidays, so I only caught the, the highlights of the Dublin match the week before. 
But that was a huge Unbelievable, one. yeah. That was as big a shock as we've seen in championship since probably bigger than Antrim beating Dublin in 2010. I'd uh, say so, yeah. 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 Um, given the way that, you know, we can all see the gaps between the Tier 1 and the Tier 2 counties in Hurling. So, I mean, it's been a brilliant year for Eddie Brennan and even more... Uh, spectacular in the context of the initial struggles he had getting players to come on board and sign up for it, you know, because I think in December they were kind of saying, where are we going with this? You know, people aren't, they weren't getting buy-in. Just, I, I, I have to say, it, it absolutely drove me demented watching the game yesterday. Aaron Dunphy sending off was just, I actually couldn't believe what I was watching. Uh, like, 10 years ago, if that happened, that wouldn't even be blown for a free. Like, we're gone totally over the top with refereeing and incidents and striking in inverted commas. And you have to call it as it is as well. The theatrics from Parik Maher that, that definitely influenced his sending off are have no place in the game, in my opinion, at all. Uh, like, Colin Lyons uh, threw out, what did he throw? 12 yellow cards and two reds in one of the cleanest games of hurling you'd ever see. The, the the willingness to give a yellow card for anything nowadays is just, it absolutely baffles me. Well, it's funny because we were talking after the Leinster hurling final of how there was very little blown that day, you know, it's just sort of kind of very wildly inconsistent. Oh, it's unbelievably you know. inconsistent, yeah. Like, he swung back his hurl, barely touched him on the knee from from what I could see, and Parik Matter went down like a ton of bricks, like, and Aaron Dunphy is anything but... Uh, a dirty player. He's as clean as clean as they come, and they were playing the match. Then, like they were playing the next twenty five minutes, we'll say with fourteen men against Tipperary, and they had mm. no chance. Minus one of their best forwards. But I know Eddie Brennan was upset over it after, and he he talked in the interview after about it. Like, um, I just I don't know. I'm just not sure where we're going. Number one, I'm not sure where we're going if if something like that is a red card now. Like Colin Lyons, who also sent off Peter Garrity from Offaly for giving a lad the hand of the hurl into the ribs, like. Like that's been going on in Hurling for years. Like that's it's that's part of the game. That's not dangerous or dirty or anything like that. I have a massive problem with that. And then the second thing I was going to say is I can't remember what the second thing I was going to say because I'm just so upset over the. Was over it this. that the game was clashing with Kerry versus Mayo and we had to choose between? Ah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry to, and choose between the tennis as well. Like you yeah. know, and so. the cricket if you're <laughs> that way inclined. Uh, yeah, yeah, keep it with the small ball. <laughs> but um, yeah, the converse is that that Hurling has a problem now with. Rugby tackling. Do you know, uh, in games where 10 minutes to go, five minutes to go, a team has a three or four point lead and they will do anything to stop uh, a goal chance being scored. And it's it's where football was six, seven oh, years I, ago. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't agree, Frank, to be honest with you. Well, I, 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 there's, 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 there's instances, but I don't think it's rampant. Like, it happens like fairly regularly. Yeah, but that, that's, that's, that's a much more cynical offence than, than the red card yesterday. Oh, 100%. There's, no, there's nothing cynical about the red card yesterday. Yeah, and we saw, yeah. It, we saw it in Galway-Kilkenny. Uh, you know, the last five minutes, Galway just literally foul like Billio. And anything to stop TJ Reid having a clear shot at goal. Well, every time Colin Fenley gets the ball, he's manhandled. No, he is. Yeah, I don't know if this rugby tackles, but like if you're going to... People are talking about the black card. I don't think the black card particularly works in football. I think if you're... I think for those... If you're, if you're looking at a way of solving it, for those sort of cynical tackles... Um, I don't know. Make make it like a twenty-one yard free every time, even if it's forty-five yards. I, th- I think something you know, has like, to be done. Punish them on punish yeah. them on the scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> the the problem with the black card in football is that it, the 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 def- definition of the fouls are way way too. They're they're too you know set in stone. It's deliberate. It's a deliberate pull down. Yeah. It's a deliberate whatever. Yeah. But you know instead of having a proper professional foul rule, if that's can we say professional yeah. foul rule in the GA? But that's that's what drives people mad. It's when there's a clear goal scoring chance and says right, taking them out. 
because it's, you know, whereas you can get a black card for something that's so inconsequential in the middle of the midfield. It might necessarily be accidental, but it can be just instinctive, you know, mm. it's kind of a bit of a trip or whatever. And, you know, it changes the whole dynamic of a game sometimes. We could be here talking about real changes all day, but we'll finish up with our board. Gosh, energy rising star of the week section. Uh, I'll go first. I'll let you lads compose yourself for a moment and then just nail one down. My one again is technically not a rising star, more of a risen star. Uh, it was just David Clifford after the weekend's performance. It really crystallised how this is his team now. He's only twenty; it's his second season. He was their best player in the Super Eights last year when everyone was collapsing around him, and already. This Curry team, I think, will only go as far as he takes him. If he doesn't play well in a big game, I don't think they'll win it. If he plays well in a big game, they could win this All-Ireland this year. I think he's that important already. Five points from play. like That free he swung over from the sideline was absolutely outrageous. He's already living up to every bit of hype that was written about him. And more impressively, he doesn't seem to be overawed or, or even bothered by the mantle he's already been placed on. Uh, so... For me, he's already probably one of the best two or three footballers in the country. He's an absolute phenom, yeah. Um, mine is on the hurling front. Uh, Galway had a good win. Galway played the first game of the minor hurling championship yesterday. It was Kilkenny's seventh game. Uh, and Galway were actually the ones that got off to an unbelievably good start. Kilkenny came back at them. But my two rising stars are Greg Thomas, who scored 2-2. Two, two, and uh, Sean McDonough, who scored 1-7, three frees. So, like, Galway are in the All-Ireland final after one game. Kenny are out after playing seven. But the excuse of not having a game didn't seem to affect those boys anyway. They're absolutely flying. I mean, you know, the championship structure that needs to be looked Possibly. at, uh, Frank. Uh, he doesn't have to be that young. Conor Callan is only around 22, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, he's, he's been, yeah, been very lax forever. rules in the yeah, trial when it comes uh, to stars. Like, I think... You know, his performance on, on Saturday was, it wasn't quite Jack, uh, Jack McCaffrey-esque, but it wasn't far off. He scored four points from play, but it's his ability to win a ball and then just go for the jugular. He says, he doesn't think about, we'll go, we'll go the long way around here, I'm going to go straight for goal here. And apart from that, he set up two goals as well. He set up, he was key in uh, the Macaulay goal. He had the key play in that. Uh, brilliantly set up Niall Scully afterwards. afterwards. He's... Uh, He's like a bulldozer with oodles of football. And uh, he's, he's one of Dublin's main men now. Mm. Just on, just on, we didn't mention anything to do with Tipperary. Tipperary weren't exactly overly convincing really yesterday. Two or three of their forwards taken off, scoreless throughout the game. You'd have to have question marks over them going into the Wexford game now. I think Wexford will really fancy themselves. I think they'll see it as an unbelievable opportunity. Like you've tipped coming in, they played four unbelievably good games in Munster and then a really poor performance in the Munster final. Poor enough again yesterday. I thought to be more changed than there was. James Barry is still there, who is who was struggling a small bit, um, and they pushed Cottlebarra out the field because uh, because because Leash played a sweeper. So if Cottlebarra is pushed out the field the next day against Wexford, I think Wexford could, could make hay in the full forward line, especially if if they leave if they get someone quick maybe in on Barry. So a lot of question marks over Tip. They're exactly where they wanted to be. But they're not in the sort of form they wanted to be. I, I'm really interested to hear what uh, Davy Fitz says next because Liam Sheedy obviously <laughs> declared last night that Wexford are, I think, it was raging hot favourites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so Davy, who has spent his entire adult life uh, reveling in the role of being, you know, the underdog small against fish. the world, you know, <laughs> small fish in a huge pond. When he hears that Wexford are red-hot favourites against uh, the People's Republic of Tip, yeah. uh, it should be... I don't know would he, I don't know if Jim Gavin would even try to pull that one off. No, he wouldn't, in fairness. <laughs> no. Even though Jim Gavin said the other night that, that he was happy to concede 117 <laughs> against Cork, which was a good one, in fairness. <laughs> well, Michael, Frank, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, Thank well. you.
That's all we have time from the throne this week in association with Board Gosh Energy. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the Super 8's action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core.